Hi, and welcome to Real Talk with Rachel, with my wife, Rachel Gilbert. Did you know that God has a unique call on your life? But things like fear, insecurities, and lies keep us from experiencing God's best. This podcast will consist of real talk about real life with real people. We pray that every episode brings you one step closer to your original design so you can confidently pursue your God-given dreams. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and today I have a very special guest. Her name is Elaine Fisher. So Elaine is the daughter of Pastor Robert and Debbie Morris of Gateway Church in South Lake, Texas, and she also happens to be my cousin. So in the beginning of our conversation, we kind of share a little bit about that and how she's seen me change over the last 13 years of being married to my husband. And we also chat about a lot of just real talk topics today. Elaine shares some of her testimony with us as well some of the behind the scenes of not only being a pastor's kid, but a pastor's wife now. And then my very favorite part of my conversation with Elaine actually comes at the end of the episode when she gives us a word in due season. You're not going to want to miss that part. So make sure you listen all the way to the end. Let's go ahead and jump right into my conversation with Elaine Fisher. Hey, Elaine, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Me too. This is so fun. Okay, so we're going to jump right in today, and I would love for you just to tell everybody listening a little about yourself. Perfect. Well, I am the daughter of Pastor Robert Morris. It seems to be the elephant in the room, so I always try to say it. But I married my best friend, Ethan Fisher, about eight years ago in just a few weeks. And so I married him, and we have four children together. Our oldest is four, and then we have a three-year-old, an almost two-year-old, and a two-month-old. So it's a little while. Wow. Yes. (laughs) I feel like you deserve some form of medal or something. I don't don't know. It might just be pure dumb. I don't know. But it's awesome. I love it. It's an answered prayer. So it's a good thing, but it's just crazy. I love it. So a lot of people listening may not know this, but you and I are actually cousins by marriage. And let's see. So I've been married 13 years. I guess that's how long we've known each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we start, before we get into your testimony, a lot of times I have people not believe me when I tell them I used to be a little bit shy and timid. Can you reminisce at all on when you first met me 13 years ago to where I am now? Yes. I think it's just funny because coming to like family meeting, let's just say like Christmas, it would be like, hi. And then we really wouldn't hear much from you. And kind of you just hang out by Matt and we were like, hi. And so and like my family is like super outgoing. Some of other people in our family are a little quirky, but like we're all pretty friendly. And so it was just always fun because you were very reserved. And like if you were asked questions, you were always super nice to answer, but definitely more to yourself or stayed with Matt. So like now you're like the little social butterfly of our family. Yeah, I kind of crack up because I do remember that, like being so nervous and I just cling to Matt. And uh, now he's the one who's like, okay, Rachel, come on, stop talking. Let's go. So, and I really have to say, I attribute a lot of um, me coming outside my shell to us being at Gateway and just all the amazing teachings that we've got to sit under here. So we feel really blessed. Gateway's blessed to have y'all. Yeah. Okay, so you chatted about, in the beginning, you told us that you have the four kids, four and under. I do. That has to be really fun. Yes. I call it my mini circus, and I keep them there. Great. A yeah. little circus. Yeah. Okay. When we were kind of talking about you coming on the podcast, you had talked about what the Lord's teaching you about the hidden seasons. Share a little yes. bit more about that. So I kind of have been in like a season where 
the hidden season in my definition would be like the season where you feel unseen, the season you feel like unappreciated. Maybe you feel like it's unpurposeful and you just kind of feel a little bit hidden. You know, you're called to something, but you almost feel stuck in the mundane task of life. And so the Lord has really been teaching me one of the phrases I've been using is today always matters and how today will build upon each other. And so to get what we desire for tomorrow, we have to make decisions and choose today. And so I've just been really trying to apply myself to this season, that God's doing something in me in this season and that this season is purposeful and there's reason behind it. And we're just going to embrace that fully. And so I've really had to find a way to enjoy it, I guess. I love being a mom. It's an answered prayer for me. But oftentimes you can get lost in the diapers and taking care of them and cleaning and all the different things that you do at home that you kind of forget that this is really meaningful, that this is purposeful and that you are changing the next generation by changing diapers right now or whatever it is. And so I look at it as like being planted. And so I think that God created us as a seed and that he decided when we should be planted into this world. And it was for such a time as this. And so we are planted for this time and this season. And in being a seed, I think if we'll stay planted in God, that we'll flourish. But then when you are planted, then you have that season of being buried. And we always seem to look down on that part. But a lot of it is required in order to be who you're called to be. And so I've just really been learning to cherish this season a little bit. And it hasn't always been easy. You know, there are days where I'm like, I just want to fast forward. But everyone tells me I'm going to miss it. So I'm going to wait for the days to miss it, I guess. Yeah. But it's been, it's a good season. Yeah. I know every single mom listening to this can relate to exactly what you're talking about right there. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. And you just do, you kind of get lost in the motherhood of life. And Mm -hmm. it's funny because it's your answered prayers. You know, like you, most of us prayed to be a mom. And then we become a mom and we start thinking like, man, am I missing out on something? Am I making a difference? Am I doing anything important? And the answer is yes, you are. It's just sometimes hard to remember that. Yeah. It's funny you say this because this, just this morning I was thinking about being a stay-at-home mom. And I was just thinking how I've never once met an older woman that said, I regret all that time I spent with my kids. Almost always it's the opposite. They'll say, I really wish I'd spent more time with my kids. It's true. And they'll always be like, it goes so fast. Mm -hmm. And in the moment you feel like you're an eternity. Mm -hmm. But the reality of it is like, I mean, my oldest is four and I can still remember the day she was born as though it was yesterday. And so time really does fly really fast, but the days are long. So it's true. Yeah. And so you also, though, do a lot of speaking, right? I do. Yeah. I took a little bit of break, but I'm now getting back into it and yeah. having a lot of fun. So yeah. You're one of my favorite people to listen to speak because there's some people who just, you can tell when they get up and speak, they're like, they were born for this. You know, like it just flows out of you and you just always have so much wisdom. And so I love learning from you. So I'm curious, like, how did you get into speaking? Tell us a little bit about your testimony and your heart for whenever you do speak to women. Well, thank you for saying that, by the way, too. Uh, It's been an interesting journey for me. It actually started about eight years ago. Um, A pastor at Gateway named Linda Grove, she came up to me one night and was like, hey, I really feel like you're going to have a word for us at Pink Impact. And I was like, no, I'm not. She was like, well, I'll make a deal with you. If you don't have a word, I'll take you to dinner. And I was newly married. We never went out to eat as, you know, we're poor, newly married people. Mm-hmm. And so um, I told her, I was like, well, then I for sure won't because I am dying for a good meal. And she's like, I better change that. How about if you have a word? And so the next morning I woke up and I had a word from God. 
And I didn't think it was for the people. I just sat down with her and I was like, this is what God's doing in my life. And she was like, that's your word. And so without me really even knowing it, she put me into the worship set as giving a little prophetic word and gave me the mic and I went and did it. And out of that, that first year, I think I received about 30 speaking engagements and it was just like God flung open the door and it's steady. There's been seasons where it's really a lot and then seasons where it's hardly anything. And that's, I really feel like it's been the Lord's protection over my life. It's really funny because each time I've gotten pregnant, I have only had to cancel a little less than a handful of speaking engagements due to pregnancy. Most of the time, I won't have any offers for the season that the baby was due or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was just so weird how really God set my calendar. And so that's been like a sweet thing. And so I really enjoy encouraging women and just people in general and just being authentic with God and just kind of finding God in their seasons of life and purpose in that. And so I love the Bible. I love to teach the Bible. I love to dive into the Bible. I don't feel like my words would be worth listening to if it wasn't for the Bible. And so I always try to bring the Bible into everything and make sure that's the foundation of it. I just don't want to inspire. Like I want to give you truth where we can walk away and be changed forever because we've applied the Bible to our lives. I love that. And I love what you mentioned about the speaking and the seasons because I've recently started doing some speaking and I have a whole new level of respect for speakers because I don't think people fully understand. I didn't until I started speaking. How much goes into speaking, the prep work, then the actual, I at least get spiritual warfare when I'm going to go speak. And then I'm leaving my household. And so now we're trying to manage that. And then if there's traveling involved. And so I have been like, ever since I started speaking, I like go out of my way. If I hear somebody speak to not only tell them how much it like bless me, but also like try to help them in any way I can. It just really gives you a different perspective of it really, there's a season for it. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And like, there's ebb and flows of like when with anything, I think that you're called to do, whether it's speaking or writing, I feel like there are seasons to where you'll be busy. And then there are seasons where you're there to rest, you know? And I mean, I feel like that was kind of the rhythms that God went by. Like there was rhythms where he was out healing people. And then there's rhythms where he was teaching and he was equipping people. But then there was a lot of seasons of his life where he was resting and praying and all the things. And we couldn't travel and speak or write or lead worship or do anything we're called to do if it's not for all those secret times that you're just sitting in his presence and learning about him and studying him. And so I definitely feel like it's a seasonal thing in some ways. Like obviously that could be your full-time job and you go every day, but there's still the seasons of rest and preparation. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. So, okay, but you and your husband are both pastors now, right? We are. I am not technically a pastor. I just work part-time at Gateway as a coordinator. And so he is a pastor. So did you, growing up, did you feel like, yes, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to marry a pastor. And like, no. <laughs> what's your story there? <laughs> no, actually, I, um, when Ethan told me he wanted to be a senior pastor, I, I actually wanted to break up with him. <laughs> I was like, I am not your girl for a pastor. Like I have been in that world for a long time and I'm just not interested in it. But God really shifted my heart. And honestly, God did some healing in me as a pastor's kid. There's some expectations and a lot of lies the enemy tells pastor's kids. And so God really did a lot of healing in my heart to even want to work at a church or even, I mean, this is the first time I've worked at the church in about six years, seven years. So it's a really sweet time now. I actually really enjoy it. Before I didn't enjoy it as much just growing up in it. I kind of wanted my space from it, but God really healed my heart in a lot of ways in doing that. I think now I can 
really push him and encourage him and be his partner in this season. Yeah. So So tell us a little more about your testimony growing up as a pastor's kid. Um, So my dad obviously started the church, Gateway Church, when I was nine years old. He told me he was going to start the church. I was super, super excited. I really was. But then I realized that it meant that change was coming. We moved about 30 miles down the road to start Gateway. And back then, like, there was no social media. I didn't have a cell phone. There was no way to really stay in contact. So in a lot of ways, I felt very lonely. And I got new friends. And um, when I went to a public school in the new area, they all told me churches don't work in this area. And so, y'all, it's not going to work. And so I just felt so defeated. And I was so embarrassed. And I just remember thinking, maybe my dad doesn't have my best interests at heart. And so fast forward, I got asked to go out with a boy. I said, I need to ask my dad. Went home. My dad was like, you're not even 16. Like, you know, this is just crazy. Where are you going to go out with him? Like, just kind of made fun of it. And he was like, the answer is no. So I was fine with it. I went back to school and I told the boy, I'm sorry, my dad said no. His best friend popped around his shoulder and was like, how would your dad ever know? And I remember thinking, like, I guess he wouldn't. And so I agreed to date this boy. It was the first lie that I ever really lived out against my parents. And it wasn't harmful. Nothing happened. No, nothing bad happened in the relationship. So I was like, oh, guess it really isn't that bad to lie, you know, kind of belief. And I started then really thinking, maybe my dad doesn't have my best interests at heart. Maybe he doesn't know what's best for me. And so I really started to put up this wall between my dad and I. And I just kind of kept going. I really... That one lie turned into a habitual habit. Like it was just something that I continued to do. I became this liar and I didn't even know what the truth was anymore. Everything I said was basically a lie because I couldn't define truth for you. And so it just went from one little thing to massive things. And before I knew it, I was about 16 years old and I had gotten into a relationship that was super unhealthy. My parents knew nothing about, and I had a double life. And I was one girl in front of them and at the church, and I was a totally different girl outside that. And so I just started spiraling downhill. I was searching everywhere in the world for something that would make me happy, something that would make me feel loved and cherished. And I wasn't finding it anywhere. I would try drinking. I would try partying. I would try boys. I tried all of it, and it just wasn't doing anything for me. And so I was about 19 years old, and I finally hit rock bottom. And I ended up in this empty garage, and I just fell down. I, everyone else went inside. It was a house that was being built, and I said, I just need to sit out here for a moment. So all my friends went inside to see the layout, and I just cried out in that garage. And I just, I finally broke. I couldn't hold it anymore. I didn't know who I was. I didn't like who I was. So I just remember, like, that sobbing cry to where you can't hold it in anymore, and you just lose it. And I just remember saying, like, okay, God, if you want me, you can have me. I really doubt that you do, but if you do, I'm all yours. And nothing changed. Like I, that was it. That was my prayer. My friends walked out of the room or walked out of the house. I stood up there like everything okay. I was like, oh yeah, it's allergies. I mean, I was a liar. I didn't know what else to tell them. I didn't want to tell them I can't take this anymore. Um, and then the next night, I ended up having dinner with some family friends. They're actually elders of the church and really good friends of my parents. And they just started, they had been mentoring me and I had been lying to them about my relationship with God because I didn't know what else to do. And that night in particular, it got real silent. And when you're living a double life, silence is the most awkward thing because you think you're caught. And so I looked at my food. I'm like, do I ask about the weather? Like, how can I avoid this silence, you know? And he said, hey, I need to tell you something. And so immediately I thought I'm caught. And he said, nine years ago last night, I had a dream that you were surrounded by darkness and you said, okay, God, if you want me, you can have me. 
which it's crazy to wow. me because I was nine years old when my dad told me we were going to plant the church, and I was 19. Oh, I'm sorry. He said it was 10 years ago. Yeah. It was like the exact day, and it was just so sweet of the Lord, and it was the first time that I really felt like God saw me for me, that He wanted me, and so I broke in front of these people. I told them all everything I had been doing. I told them about my double life. I told them all my sin, and I just was like broken in front of them. And then when I finished, I just said, hey, thanks so much for letting me share this, but I know the way back to God. I've been trying to get right with God. I've been trying to act better, read my Bible, and it hasn't been working for me, so I just don't think God wants me. I just don't think it's working. Like, thanks for letting me get this off my chest, though. And I'll never forget it. He just looked me straight in the eyes, and he was like, Elaine, I can help you, but you just helped yourself by bringing it to the light. And it was the most freeing thing for me. And so I went on a journey with them. It was several months, and... I actually kind of went into like that hidden season we were talking about where I deleted social media. I changed my cell phone number. No one had it. I gave my car keys to my parents. I went everywhere they went. I was a 19-year-old girl, like grown adult, moved back in with them. And I just said, wherever you go, I'll go. Like, I just want to get right with God. So whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. And so I actually went to counseling with several counselors. I went to counseling with my dad to make that relationship be fully restored. I told them everything I had been living in. I was very honest with them, didn't leave details out, any questions they had. I was there to answer them. And I just really brought everything to the light. And I really think that's where I found a lot of freedom and I found a lot of grace. And I think honestly, bringing it to the light, I did have to have help. Like I did have to see counselors and go through some things like that. But just bringing it to the light brought so much freedom in my life. And then it wasn't long after that that I met Ethan. And it was just so funny because everything I was searching for in the world, I found as soon as I planted myself in God. And as soon as I got right with God, like he answered the desires of my heart. And so that's a little bit of my story. I love that. Hey, everyone. I want to take a second and tell you about the Write the Word Journal from Cultivate What Matters. Both Elaine and I use them daily and love how simple it makes it to read and write God's Word. Plus, they're absolutely gorgeous. I buy these as gifts, and they're always a huge hit. You can grab one today and use code REALTALKRACHEL for 10% off one journal. And that code is good only in July, so grab yours via the link in the show notes. I think one of my very favorite parts of your story, and you said this, I think, three different times. I only kept track because it's really the heart of this podcast, and you said bringing it into the light. I feel like so many people, that's the part of the story they miss, and then I only know this because I personally experienced it, of just like you said, you know, okay, what, what I'm doing now is not working. That's point one. Like I think almost all of us get to that point at some point in our life where we're like, this isn't working And then we do say, okay, we're going to change things. But then I feel like so many of us stop there, like, Mm -hmm. and don't bring the things into the light. And we just think, well, I'm just going to deal with this. I'm not going to do those things anymore. I'm going to shake things up. I'm going to clean up. So why do I need to tell people these things if I already know I'm not going to keep doing them? And so there's this lie that we believe, I feel like, that if I just, you know, God, you and me, this is between us, you know. But then the enemy still has that territory over us without us even knowing it. Because I had that. I had things I held on to from my teen years. And just even recently, within the last few years, the Lord's like, I had to tell my husband some things that I was like, I had buried them so deep. I'd for- I had honestly forgotten about them yeah. until the Lord brought them up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I never told anybody that. And, you know, my husband definitely needs to know this or whatever the things are. 
And so it's a hard thing to do. Like I understand why people want to just stuff those things because I don't want to, it's mortifying. Like you said, to sit in front of your parents or your spouse or your friend, whoever might have been involved, who this would affect and get honest with them. But freedom cannot come unless we're willing to just be like, lay all my cards on the table And when I tell people to be real, I don't mean like get on Facebook and tell the whole wide world all your sins. Like that's not at all my heart. I mean, go find a counselor, go, you know, tell any of the people that it directly affected and just the freedom that comes. Like I know in my case with Matt and I's marriage, whenever I brought something into the light, it was one of those things where the first several months was like, kind of a hell on earth, you know, because when you bring some things out, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, there's lots of pain involved and you definitely have to process and work through that. But then the other side of that was like amazing, you know, and I can honestly say like our marriage wouldn't be where it is today at all, you know, and I wouldn't be where I am today as a woman if I hadn't done the hard thing and just bring it out. And so that's always been when I, every time I hear your testimony, that's the part where I'm like, yes, yeah, she brought it into the light. Yes. Well, and it's true. And like the enemy has a stronghold until it's released. And for me, I had journaled about it. Journaling isn't bringing it to the light and it's very freeing and it's very, very helpful. But there are certain things that you specifically have to be in communion with someone else on that topic to really get freedom from it. And so I've found several things where I've had to link arms with Ethan or my parents when I was before I got married or even just finding a good friend that I can say, you know, like in my singleness, I would find a friend that I could trust. And I would be like, listen, I'm struggling with whatever it was, you know, and even now with Ethan, I've obviously gone through insecurities and whatnot in marriage. They're just magnified. They don't go away. And so I've had to go to him and be like, I'm really struggling with this insecurity And so I just need you to be aware of it. And just knowing that I was struggling with it and like me just bringing it to the light, it was almost like it took away the enemy's power over me in that area. You know, like I didn't feel all of a sudden I was like, I don't feel as insecure about that anymore, you know? And so just telling someone makes a big, big difference. And so, yeah. And then they can hold you accountable too, especially if they know that there's a a particular sin maybe you struggle with or that... You know, when you know that you have at least one other person who can be like, ah, oh, I see you slipping back into some of your old patterns. Let's talk about that. Yeah. That's or believing really lies you used to believe mm-hmm. or whatever, but they can't call that out if they don't know. Yeah. And so it is very helpful to yeah. share. And if you haven't given them the permission to speak into your life, because as we all know, if people are not open to receiving, then the yeah. words don't always have the same effect. Yeah. I would tell someone before you sit down with them, like, tell them what you're going to share and then say like, hey. I want you to know you have the freedom to just listen and you also have the freedom to speak into my life because sometimes I feel like people need the freedom to listen too because I might not know how to answer your sin, but I can listen and just me listening does a lot. And so I don't need to counsel you. I might not know how to counsel you. I might not know what advice to give you. So giving someone the freedom to say, all you have to do is listen in this moment and pray for me. You don't have to give me counsel. You don't have to do all those things. Because there are things that I could bring to you that you would be like, I know nothing about. Or you could bring to me. Take that pressure off of your friends, too, to feel like they have to counsel you through something. And remind them they're your friend to pray and to listen and to encourage. And then to maybe they get a word from God for you. Or maybe they do have some wisdom they can share with you. But they don't have to do that. Like, it's okay to just listen to your friends and not be their counselor. That's such wise advice because I feel like I actually wrote a blog post similar to something to that like a year or two ago, and it's been a really popular blog post. It was called 
stop fixing, start loving. And it's because I feel like sometimes we have the tendency to like, oh, I just want to fix you as soon as you tell me your problem. And really the first thing, of course, there is a time where we can help people. But I think the first thing we're supposed to do is, like you said, listen, like let them cry on your shoulder. Don't bring them all the fixes. And that's why men and women sometimes struggle in relationships because men are fixers. Mm -hmm. They tend to be. And we're like, I just wanted to cry. Why don't you let me cry? Well, and that mothering nature too tells you you have to like mother them through something. If you're a mom, you just have this tendency where you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to mother you through this and it's like no you don't I'm that way with Ethan I've had to tell him several times like I don't need your answers I just need your love and he's like whatever yeah (laughs) exactly but it is it's true and I mean the Lord will give you an opportunity to share wisdom but definitely take the time to just love on him yeah so I can relate to part of your story that I also grew up a pastor's kid and so for a little bit on today's show I want to just chat about I feel like the behind the scenes of pastors and their families and kids, if you didn't grow up. So like I can look at other pastors and go, oh, I can relate because I grew up in it. You know, I know some of the behind the scenes, but I feel like if people didn't grow up as a pastor's kid or a pastor's wife, they would not know what is, you know, some of the behind the scenes stuff. So I would love for you to share with us anything that you feel comfortable sharing about just that something maybe pastors wish that people knew in ways that could maybe support them and, and love on them so that they can fully pursue their ministry the way mm-hmm. they need to. Well, and I'll, I'll say too, um, whether you're a pastor's kid or not, there's a lot of lies that the enemy specifically targets pastor's kids with. So being a voice of truth to them and encouraging them, if you're talking to a pastor's kid, talk to them as though they're a human and not the pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. Like have a conversation with them, ask them what their favorite show is if they're a kid or You know, as a kid, I used to get so frustrated because it felt like no one wanted to know anything about me. They all just wanted to talk to me to be talk to my dad. And I would just resent my dad for that. And so I didn't resent the people. I didn't understand that that was just an unhealthy way. And so I would encourage you, like, if you are talking to a pastor's kid, make sure to ask about them, too. Mm -hmm. It's okay to ask. You know, I've had a lot of people with my dad recently just going through the hospital and this near-death experience. I have a lot of people wanting to know an update on his health. I don't mind at all at all when people ask me that but I love it when they go one step further and they say how are you doing you know it was a hard season for everyone in my family and so we're all grateful he's alive so to have someone care individually too for the person means a lot and then I would encourage you as pastors and pastors kids and pastors wives oftentimes I would hear something like I know you probably have a billion people you could talk to oh I know you have so many people that are praying for you And as a person, you almost feel a little lonely because you don't hear very often like, hey, I want you to know we're praying for you. Hey, I want you to know like I'm cheering you on. You just hear, I bet you have a lot. And you're like, actually, I don't know if I do. So just being a place that they can be real and honest and there's no judgment. There's no expectation. You know, there's no expectation that if I'm your friend, I'm going to get you in the door to certain things or whatever. Just love them. Be real with them because they're really humans and they're great. And If you're a pastor's kid, I would encourage you, like, it is an honor to be a pastor's kid. There's a lot of lies about that, and there's a lot of negativity about that of, like, oh, man, it's the worst thing ever. But in honesty, it's really a true blessing, you know, to be a pastor's kid and to see this life. And so I encourage pastor's kids all the time, love the life that you've been given, wherever you are. If you're a pastor's kid or not, you should love the life God's given you because it is purposely and intricately designed for you. But be real to them. They're just normal people. And I remember I was in youth. I'll just tell a funny story really quick. I was in youth, and this one guy came up to me, and he was like, so 
do you get to eat at the same table as Pastor Robert? And I was like, well, yeah, because he's my dad. Like, why wouldn't I eat at the... And I was like, is, is it, like, holy? Do you have to take your shoes off? I was like, no. Like, I don't. Like, the same funny stories you have about your dad where he comes out in his underwear. Like, my brother, he did that, too, and embarrassed me. You know, like, yeah. he was a normal dad to me. He was a normal person. And I hold just as much honor and respect as you do as he is my pastor. And he is my pastor. And I honor him and I respect him as my pastor. But he's also my dad. He's also a normal guy that loves ice cream and loves to just laugh and watch movies and loves those things. And so be normal. Yeah. I don't know. That seems a little rude. But that's honestly, sometimes it just doesn't feel like I just want to tell people, I'm normal. Just be normal with me. Yeah. Well, there's such a pressure. So I just recently put two and two together. Um, Actually, I was speaking with a counselor and I was telling her I was in a season of like feeling really frazzled and I was committed to all these things. And she told me, okay, I want you to list out all the things that you do. And I was a little bit embarrassed because I just kept telling her all the things like that I'm a part of. And you know, when you start saying things out loud, you're like, oh my gosh, this is bad. You know, like I have a problem. And she was like, okay, you know, so we were just talking through this and, and she was like, well, it seems like you might have a little bit, I'm just being real here. This is what I do. And she's like, it seems like you might have like a little bit of a performance thing going on. And I was like, yeah, I definitely feel, you know, I get into that where I feel pressure to perform. And, and, um, so we started talking about, you know, childhood. And when I told her, I just said, I was like, yeah, I grew up a pastor's kid. She goes, oh, there it is. And I was like, wait, what? And she's like, no, I just see this a lot with pastor's kids. They feel a lot of pressure because a lot of eyes are on them. And so from a young age, they have this like lie that they believe of, well, everybody's watching me. So I've got to perform all the time. I've got to look perfect. People are expecting perfection because honestly, people do expect perfection. You know, if the pastor's kid makes a mistake versus Jimmy John down the street, Jimmy John, I don't even know where that name came from, but (laughs) you know, exactly, you know, same thing. Um, it's just totally perceived differently. And so I think that is what I just want to reiterate what you said about they're just, they're normal. They're going to make mistakes too. They're going to sin too. (laughs) Well, in, in my family, we were never told we weren't allowed to do something because we're a pastor's kid or, Oh, well, your dad's a pastor. So you can't dress that way. We were told we dress modestly because we are God's children. And they would always have a principle. And the why was never because of what my dad did. Mm -hmm. It was always because this is who we are as the Morris family. This is what the Bible teaches us or whatever it was, you know. And so when we had teachers or pastors on staff that would be like, expect more of us because we were a pastor's kid. They'd be like, you're a pastor's kid. You should act better. My mom would be like, no, they should act better because... They're a good godly kid. But the reason isn't because they're a pastor's kid. Yeah. And so kind of take that expectation off, you know, of it's going to be normal. They're going to be normal kids and let them be normal. Let them grow up normal in that and realize they're going to mess up just like your kids. And yes, as a pastor's kid, you're given some influence at birth that you wouldn't normally be given. So steward that wisely. If you are mature enough to, like I would encourage pastor kids, like, Steward that wisely. Everyone in the world is dying for influence, and you've been granted some at birth just because of who your parents are. So steward it, you know, like embrace it and do it well. But for everyone who's looking in, don't expect it. Just love them. Like just be the hand of God that loves them through the hard seasons. That's so wise. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot as we get off of here today. But some a gift I see in you, obviously, besides just the speaker and 
Um, I see the prophetic gift in you and just how you, with women in particular, have that call on you just to call the gifts that God has put within them out. So I would love if you would just share something, some word of encouragement that God might drop on your heart for the ladies who might be listening today. I think my biggest thing is I would just tell you, don't give up. Don't give up on the season that you're in. Like God has a purpose for you. And don't let the enemy tell you what you're doing is too small. I just feel so strongly that sometimes as women, we feel like our things, whether it's just doing the laundry or keeping the house clean, that it really isn't making a big difference. But I can tell you, you're setting the tone for your home and the atmosphere and you're raising the next generation. If you're a mom, if you're a wife, like what you do gives your husband the freedom to do what he's doing. So Mm -hmm. behind every solid man is a really good wife and you have a lot of power. Even today, I was just reminded someone gave me a word, actually, and they were like, you don't realize the authority that you carry. You need to walk in that authority. And so I would tell you the same. Like, in your home, you carry a lot of authority, and especially in the spiritual realm. So take authority of your home and love well and embrace it and just enjoy it. You're really living in some awesome times. Everyone kind of says, these are hard times. And I'm like, no, this is an awesome time because it shows, yes, they're hard times, but we serve an even bigger God. So let's embrace the big God and let's let him move in our worlds. So I would just encourage you, don't give up. There's hope in this season and God's got a purpose and you're doing a fabulous job. I receive that. Thank you. (laughs) That's so good. I love that. Okay. So before we go, can you tell everybody where, if they want to stay connected to you online, where's, where do you like to hang out online? Um, I'm an Instagram girl. I do have a Facebook. My Instagram is Elaine C. Fisher. And you can get pictures of my cute mini circus. But mm-hmm. I am on Facebook. Technically, I have a Twitter. I barely ever post except links to my Instagram. Or you can go to my website, elainefisher.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, Elaine, for coming today. Yes. Thank so you for having time. me. Yeah. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you next time. Didn't you just love Elaine and her wisdom and her heart for women? I really pray that this episode just reminds each and every one of you listening of the importance and the value of simply bringing things into the light and submitting them before the Lord and before trusted man. Also, be sure to just embrace that word that she gave us at the end. If you need to, go back, take notes, and write it somewhere so you can remind yourself of the powerful words that she spoke over us. And don't forget, as always, if you haven't yet, please leave us an iTunes review. We so appreciate those reviews, and I personally read each and every one of them. And be sure to get those reviews in quickly, because Cultivate What Matters is giving away one of their Write the Word journals to anybody who leaves a review in the month of July. That is it for today, my friends. So we will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel. Have a blessed day.